Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and today my interview is with Yoel Gebremesco. Yoel is director of the Street Fraternity on East Colfax in Denver. Street Fraternity, or Street Frat as it's better known in the neighborhood, is a place where young men, many of them immigrants and refugees, can come and hang out in the evenings and develop friendships and connections. Yoel knows firsthand about the importance of connections. He immigrated with his parents and his brother from Eritrea in North Africa when he was just a boy. Yoel and I met at the Street Frat, which is located in the basement of the Disabled Veterans Building on Colfax. I started by asking him about his childhood in Eritrea. Oh, it was wonderful to grow up in Eritrea. I loved it there as well as what what comes to mind right now Um, you know my school from kindergarten school I guess uh, was a separate one but it was very close to my family's house um, as well as the school I attended from first grade all the way up to halfway of seventh grade before moving to the U.S. was very close to my parents place so it's the early childhood memories of walking with neighbors and friends to school, um, just enjoy and happiness. One of my m- most memorable or memories that I have is just playing soccer around my parents' place, especially on Sunday mornings. I would typically be the last one to arrive waking up late because my parents allowed me to stay up late with them and with people around the house and such. So, And, w- and it was just great. It was very communal. Another memory that comes up is when elders are passing by and we're playing soccer, we stop everything so that we don't hit them with the ball. And if they're carrying anything, whether that be groceries or whatever they may be carrying, especially with elder women, we would not only stop, but also assist them to carry their bags and their groceries and whatever else they may have to their house and then come right back and then You know, it could be water that they offer or food or fruits that they may grow in their house. So that was always exciting. So respect respect for elders was an important part of growing up there. Huge respect for elders, even those that are just even a few years older than you, was instilled in us, I think, just as as communally. So respect for the elders 100%, whether that be family members um, or family friends or neighbors or really anyone and everyone. Who were the elders that you were closest to? The elders I was closest to would be my grandma. You know, my grandmother was alone, her children out and about in the country. And so I would walk, say, 20 minutes to my grandma's house rather than my parents because I loved my grandmother's neighborhood. Um, I loved the people there, a lot of soccer playing, a lot of um, a lot of memories that were very, very communal. What was this bond you had with your grandmother? Some of the fondest memories that I have about my grandmother is that in her house, the house that we were in, it was very communal. So whether it be lunch hour, the door is open, anyone that is in the neighborhood, any family members from the city or outside folks from the villages who are passing through the the town center would always stop to visit grandma. You know, late in the evening, my grandmother had a a TV. Um, So everyone in the neighborhood from the elders, the young adults and the kids that were my age would be in the same space uh, communally. It was just uh, a community space, it felt, at my grandma's home um, with 
all different age groups from young to the elderly walking in and out of the space that she had. And she was a very welcoming person to the neighbors, to the family and all of that. So it was just very good energy. Sounds like an important lesson that you carry with you today. I visited Eritrea in 2018 and noticed my grandmother late at night um, making noises in a separate room. I was sleeping on a couch and I went up to her to to ask, hey, what's going on? Are you maybe speaking to yourself here or are you in the middle of sleep and you're sleep talking? And she just told me that she it was her ritual to pray from her eldest child all the way down to children who were born from her kids. And so that was, um, and she recently passed away, um, middle of July, 2023 this year. Oh, sorry, Um, man. She passed, so. um, That's rough. Yeah, so in reflection, she lived a very good life. And so in reflection of that, and the questions that you've asked me so far, um, that's been one takeaway that I've been reflecting on in the past several months. The open hearth, the open heart. Absolutely. The yeah. open heart, the, 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 the foundation that she created the, uh, for her family members and also others that I mentioned, but also just the deep care, the deep love, the deep unity that she provided and that she hoped for, for, for not only her family members, but also others. Were your mom and dad of a similar spirit? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say especially my, I think my mom carries that same, uh-huh. um, the same ideals as my grandma. Um, so does my father as well. What caused you to leave that beautiful life? You know, um, there weren't any hardships or such things that, you know, as you know, the work that I do here or have been involved in Denver, Colorado. But for us, it was luck. My mother had applied for something that's called the diversity visa. I'm sure you're aware of that, um, based on different quotas of immigrants that have come to the U.S. from different nations. There's a quota that's given every year for a special visa to immigrate to the U.S. So my mother um, had applied for that. And so pure luck that she was able to be selected, which also allowed her family, right? Myself mm-hmm. and my brothers and my dad to immigrate to the U.S. And that was in um, at the end of 1997. What was it like for, for you as a young man who had what you just described as a, a really wonderful life, carefree, to suddenly be taken out of that and, and uh, basically starting over in this life? I recall asking my mom, like, what's going on? What are we doing? And so it was, uh, why? Know, to, to, yeah, why, how, what's going on, what's happening. And, you know, as you can understand at that time, I'm what, 10, 11. And so preteen, um, preteen and just going with it. You know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. and I remember my mom saying, you know, to be educated and to have better life in a sense. Um, it felt, um, if I was to go back to it now, um, it was a different experience than growing up in Eritrea where you're out and about from the household, you're interacting with friends and neighbors or the elders that I mentioned earlier, carrying their bags, you know. So I think there was that difference, um, which I think later on in life, I can reflect back and say, well, that's something, a transition that I went on in life. As I reflect, I think that also symbolically reflects on the work that I have done and currently continue to do, you know. Right. As a young person, you... You were a stranger in this strange place, and so you have to start over. And 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it was a mixture of both for me, a mixture of missing what I had, uh, the friendships, you know, and uh, at school in community and rituals, uh, the, the rituals of friendship, the rituals of friendship. Absolutely. Like, you know, I can go back to like not only playing soccer in the neighborhoods, but different games seasonally. Um, the missing of family members, uh, grandma that I mentioned or others. Right. Uh, the missings of just the community. Absolutely. Those things were there. At the very same time, though, uh, Walter, I attended a middle school to where those who were having the same experience as myself were at the school. Mm. And so um, my, my friends till this day are the ones that I met in seventh grade, middle, middle, middle of seventh grade at uh, Merrill Middle School while learning English as a second language. So young kids then who, like myself, immigrated or came to, as refugees to the United States, to Denver, um, who were at the very same school, having come from you know, Southeast Asia or Eastern European countries, or from, you know, uh, South American countries. What was that or like? Central American countries. I mean, you, 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 you bonded with them like brothers and sisters. You were from different walks of life, but you shared this one thing, this uprootedness. You all had to kind of find friendships and yeah. get on with life. You know, I, as you're asking that question, um, I'm remembering a memory from middle school where, you know, you'll have your cultural performances days. And I was the only one from Eritrea and, at Merrill Middle School. And my friend to this day, Pachara, is from Thailand. And, you know, I introduced him to the school as, um, as his first day of school, his first week. I took him around the school. And for myself, there was someone from Ethiopia when I was the first, my first day of school and first week who would show me around. To go back to your question as you asked me about what was that experience like, I think that, um, or the uprootedness for some, or the moving into the U.S., I think it's just finding those spaces and times during school to get to learn about one another. Importantly, too, just knowing that we were all going through the same experience of being in a new place, um, a right. new city, a new state, a new country, and just trying to figure out what life is all about. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. Yoel Gebermaskel, director of the Street Fraternity on East Colfax in Denver, is describing how he adjusted to middle school in the United States. Yoel did that by forming friendships with immigrant students like himself who were also trying to learn English and adjust to life in a strange new country. The early friendships helped Yoel excel in high school, and by the time he graduated, he had earned a full-ride Daniel scholarship to the college of his choice. He chose Denver University. I got introduced to international studies in my time, in my first year at DU. Um, I think it is during that time that, you know, I was thinking about, like, what am I here for? What's my purpose? And um, how can I give back to the world? And I say give back to the world because I felt so lucky to have immigrated here. I would also even say that I didn't have better understanding of our world or our nation here, the U.S. or the state or the city. Um, until I was volunteering at a refugee resettlement agency, or I didn't have better understanding up until I chose to volunteer, up until I chose to commit time and space through soccer, actually, uh, through through coaching soccer yeah, and sports. community, through sports that 
I was gaining more knowledge about myself as well as the experiences of others. So as I mentioned, long story about street fraternity, but one of our co-founders had deep experience of starting nonprofits and running nonprofits in town, um, especially in the mid-90s up to early 2000s. Um, he had run a big organization named uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, which you might be familiar about. And who, um, and who is that? What's that? His name is Dave Stoltz. And he was actually, he took time off from Big Brothers Big Sisters and stopped working there. And he was looking to see about doing grassroots work in community um, on, on the ground, um, while at the same time, I had built these relationships, deep relationships and deep trust with youth and young ad adults, particularly between 12 to 18 and even above that age, um, through that personal choice, as I mentioned earlier, of volunteering and also eventually becoming a paid staff at a refugee resettlement agency. So our paths collide as uh, as Dave was looking for spaces in East Colfax uh -huh. neighborhood, and he happened to walk around this building, the Disabled American Veterans Building, seeking to provide a space and time for youth and young men experiencing violence. He had a challenging time asking other buildings on the Aurora side, hey, this is the vision. We want to be able to provide a place of brotherhood and personal growth for violent young men. And the disabled American veterans were the only ones that would welcome that. And so the basement that you see here today didn't, did not look anything like this 10 and a half to 11 years ago. Yeah, um, they were renting the space to different band members and such. But after Dave um, was doing that, I was uh, still doing work here in East Colfax neighborhood while also working for um, a, local, a local foundation in town. But I was actively coaching soccer and spending time and connecting while at the same time learning about myself, right? So say this is 2011 and 2012 that we're speaking about. And so as a, as a, as a young man myself, I was still still discovering myself as far discovering myself as far as like what is my past yeah. what is my current space where am i at now and what do i want to do and so i take did the job choose you or did you choose the job uh both i'd like to say I, I think both well you were trying to figure yourself out and yeah yeah what got me to where i am today i go back as to that personal choice of volunteering um, when in my last year at the University of Denver I was introduced to the Refugee Resettlement Agency and it was after school after work program mm. assisting with doing homework um, as well as enrichment activities so I've been so I guess <laughs> did I choose the job or did the job choose me I like to say it's a mixture of both I guess you yeah know? I think so because um, I've been always just open-minded and going with the flow um as far as like just moving going going along in this in this path of life you know if you're just joining us you're listening to the immigrant stories program yoel gabriel mescal director of the street fraternity on east colfax in denver is describing how important the street fraternity has been to the young men who drop in for a bowl of soup or a workout or a conversation I asked Joel how long street frat had been a place for young men to relax and have fun. April 1st of 2024 will be uh, 11 years. Tell me about what that means to you to have founded this organization 
and put your heart and soul into it. What do you see? Co-founded. <laughs> I'd like to go okay, back to that. Co-founded. Yeah, yes, as, you, as, you, as you say that, I think um, one of our current staff, Amadou Bliti, who was a student at Johnson & Wales University, and one of our staff now, Levon Lyles, who brought tremendous experience of his life experience here in, in the United States, and in particular around here in Denver metro area. The four of us from, um, from that day one, month one, we're committed to this vision of providing this place, this space and the time here in the basement where you are, and to continuously uh, provide it consistently, meaning that the young men know when we're open and where we're closed. So we're open four days out of the week throughout the year. We'll take a break, um, a week break during July 4th week. We'll take, you know, say a week, a week and a half break around the holidays, end of the year. As I mentioned that, though, um, what's special about street fraternity is the way its leadership early on was able to adapt and stay flexible to the needs and the wants of youth and young adults here in this neighborhood. So when we first opened, the anticipation was that we would have, say, 15, max maybe 20 uh, youth who would get referred to us or we would reach out to who had been identified as having violence issues. Thus, our, our mission was to provide a place of brotherhood and personal growth for uh, violent young men. As we opened on um, early on that April 1st of 2013, there were youth who were referred, who were coming in, youth that we had reached out to who were coming in. Um, however, very quickly what occurred is word of mouth was out in the neighborhood. So very quickly, that first year onto the second year, it's 30, 40, 50, wow. 60, 70, 80 youth and young adults wow. that were coming in and out of the space. And I mentioned about the adaptability and the flexibility of the organization and the leadership. So at first, I was program director, and Dave Stoltz was executive director. Um, within a year, having seen the demographic that was coming into the space, East Colfax neighborhood, um, then and still now somewhat, somehow, more affordable housing. So um, refugee families who are being resettled um, into Denver over the last decade to two, uh, I'd even say two decades and a half, have been, um, their housing has been around the neighborhoods here on the Denver and Aurora side. So the demographic in this space, in the basement, from that word of mouth, you know, uh, one particular young man named Tulsi was referred to the organization around those first couple of months. And as soon as he came into the space with a navigator, he was out getting the word out. <laughs> and, and it's just this place just got flooded by youth and young adults who were looking for a space where they could just be. And so we very quickly adapted to that need and the want of the demographic that was coming in. Um, whom particularly, as I mentioned, majority were um, former refugees from Southeast Asia and across Africa. You um, talked about your experience in high school, kids in your ESL class from all over the world. Was it similar in that way? I mean, some of these, these young men have come from violent situations in their mm -hmm. country, had to flee mm -hmm. violence in their country, mm -hmm. only to end up in a neighborhood where they still have to worry about violence Absolutely. what what is that dynamic like in this space when young men from all over the world are in this basement is it do you see some of the same brotherhood 
and sisterhood that you saw as a high school student? Absolutely. Um, glad you're bringing that up. Uh, a block and a half from where we're sitting right now in this basement, uh, Colfax and Yosemite is a hot spot for gun violence and homicides and has been for decades, unfortunately. The dynamic that you spoke about between my experience and the experiences that these youth and young adults go through, um, I will say this one thing. Um, uh, early on I mentioned, or a bit ago I mentioned about after-school programs, you know, where you do your homework and then enrichment activities. Our culture and style here at Street Fraternity is not that. It's a drop-in, walk-in space. You voluntarily show up. You voluntarily decide to be here. And whether the young men in past and currently in the future know it or not, they're coming in and choosing to voluntarily show up to the space and the time that's provided, um, looking for something. So now we can ask, what is that something that they're looking for? Because... In a neighborhood, as we described, violence being an issue, mental well-being being an issue, alcohol, drug misuse being an issue, school progress in particular being an issue. And importantly to all of this is having a space where they can identify and belong and be respected too. Huh. Um, so that's been the story of street fraternity. So I go back to our year one to that adaptability, flexibility, and when I said the need and the want of the youth and the young men. So organizationally, um, our board, our then executive director, co-founder Dave Stolz, myself, and the other co-founders sat down and spoke about what is this mission, the violent part of it, right? It's not only violent young men or men who experience violence coming into this space, but importantly to your question as well, here's this young men who've been uprooted from across the world right. due to violence. Yes. Right? Fleeing. Due to war, yeah. fleeing violence. And if not them, they themselves, some of them were born in refugee camps. If not them themselves, then their parents went through that uprooting and that violence. And so because we were having youth and young adults coming in, voluntarily choosing to be here, some of them not necessarily that have experienced violence, right? right? But experiencing violence, as you said, in this neighborhood, that's when the change in our mission uh, became about. Our mission now and has been since that transition is uh, to, place, to provide a place of brotherhood and personal growth for urban young men well, from the world outside. They're young men who are looking for a way out of violence. Mm -hmm. They're not violent young men necessarily. Does that yes. make sense? Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. And again, like, although a young man may not choose at all, does not choose at all to be violent because of the circumstances, because of the elements that happen to be when you walk out of your apartment, when you walk out of a school bus or RTD, or you're just walking around to the park, or you're going shopping, because of the elements that be, you may have to be violent. Yes, to protect yourself. To protect yourself, exactly. And so then knowing that and understanding that, what does this place become? That need and the want from the neighborhood, as I mentioned earlier, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 young men coming in. How can you turn that down, right? Yeah. Well, and you had to do that. I mean, you, you couldn't just take 15 and... And not take the others. I mean, I, you were propelled into this larger project and a, and a wider mission. 
Absolutely. Um, I don't know if necessarily white or mission, but I, I see what you're saying by that. And I go back to me personally, uh, as I mentioned earlier, going with the flow, going on this path, flowing like a river and just trying to do the best that I can. Um, and that energy was also matched by the other co-founders that I mentioned from Dave to Amadou to, to uh, Levon. You talked about what it meant to you in high school, which was a different situation, but you bonded with the brothers and sisters in those ESL classes. That was a, that was a space where you were able to come together and understand your common, your common characteristics and your common goals. And it sounds to me like street frat does that for young kids. They can come in here and see a different way and they can be supportive for one another. Not unlike you were in high school and your friendship. I'm sure some of the friendships here last for years. They do. Um, some of our former participants, you know, when we first started, um, the 14-year-olds in 2013 are now <laughs> uh, 24. The 20-year-olds are now 30 in their 30s. The 24-year-olds in 2013 are now in their mid-30s. You know what I mean? So and do so they come back? And they, do, they do come back. They do come back. Not every single day, obviously. Of but course. From, now, from, from here and there, uh, they'll come back and check in. Um, whether it's, you know, driving a car or have a kid now or have family now, have moved out from the neighborhood. Mm. Um, so it's always nice to see them when they drop in, in person or they may contact our staff members or myself just randomly just to check in. Um, and at times also, many times actually, it's, um, they'll just check in to see how we're doing. They'll come back and make sure that we're okay also. And when we're facing tragedies, um, either coming in in person or communicating with us via calls. Um, yeah, your grandmother was probably pretty par- proud of the work that you'd done. It sure sounds like your, uh, you know, you describe what you described. Your grandmother's house was anybody and everybody could come through, and there was food, and mm. she made no exceptions. Mm-hmm. And sounds to me like you've carried some of that with you. She must be happy up there. <laughs> that was Yoel gave it a mescal. Yoel's grandmother would definitely be proud to see her compassionate and generous spirit reflected in her grandson and the work he and his partners have done and continue to do at Street Fraternity. Special thanks to Yoel and Amadou Billity and Levon Lyles and Dave Stalls, and all the other volunteers for the countless hours they have devoted to making Street Frat what Kyle Clark of Nine News calls one of the most deeply respected nonprofits working in Denver and the surrounding cities. You've been listening to Immigrant Stories. Thanks for listening.